Welcome to a day of prayer. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Together, let's engage in relationship with Christ through prayer and His Word. This message was previously recorded at St. Paul's Christian Fellowship in Norfolk, Virginia, Sunday, June 16, 2019. We all just bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that we can come before you today because you are our Lord and our Savior, because of what you did for us. Because you guide us in your ways, which are higher than ours. Both your ways and your thoughts, which are higher than ours. And not our ways. But you, through your Holy Spirit, are leading us and teaching us your ways and your thoughts. To be conformed to the image of Christ. So we thank you and we praise you. Lord, I lift up the the people in this congregation sitting here today, and also the ones that aren't here, that will hear this message. And I ask for you, through the Holy Spirit, the spirit of wisdom, to to teach them, to give them a revelation and a knowledge of of you, that the eyes of their heart would be open, be enlightened, know what the hope of your calling is. And the riches of your glory and the inheritance of the saints. And Lord, I also ask for myself and this message that not be my words or thoughts, but your divine utterances with boldness to speak the mystery of the gospel. So that you will be glorified and magnified. We give you the glory, the honor, and the praise. In the name of Jesus. Amen. We give a hand clap of praise to the Lord for these fathers. And I'd just like to say happy Father's Day to all the fathers in here. Because the role that is placed upon men. The fatherhood role is a often under, misunderstood role that where understanding is lacking concerning what the role is. People formulate their own opinions and try to impose that. And it makes it very difficult for men. And some people consider it a thankless job. This is not the case. Not at all. It's not about what I'm saying. It's about what the Lord has to say about it. So let's get to the Word. Let the Holy Spirit teach us about a father's role. Please turn with me to Ephesians 5 and begin in verse 24. Say amen when you get there. She asked, what was that? 
Ephesians 5, verse 24. All right. It says, But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands and everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her, so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. So husbands ought also to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church. Because we are members of his body. And for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother, and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is great, but I am speaking with reference to Christ and the church. Nevertheless, each individual among you is also to love his own wife, even as himself. And the wife must see to it that she respects her husband. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise, so that it may be well with you, and that you may live long on the earth. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Amen. Amen. So the Apostle Paul here begins this section of Scripture outlining the structure that the Lord provided or established by God, our Heavenly Father, giving a written example of what a believer's or a Christian's household should look like. And at the risk of oversimplifying what Paul is stating, it's this, every member of the household, your personal household, and the household of God, or the body of Christ, should fulfill in their entirety, or should should fulfill the entirety of their role, excuse me. In other words, do all that God is asking you to do, and do it in love and in unity, working together for the good of every member of the household. All right. It's not about one individual person. It's not about submission just to the Father, as in the head of the household. Is submission to the Lord. And we must understand this because Paul, prior to giving this section of Scripture, gives us two commands. The first is Ephesians 5.17. It says this, So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Mm -hmm. We must see things from the Father's perspective. Our Heavenly Father. Not a religious perspective or out of religious tradition. Not of our own spin on it or what we think it should look like. But actually looking at what the Father designed and created. And the second command he gives is this. 
comes from Ephesians 5.21. It says, And be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. It is a submitting to one another in the fear of God. And in order to do that, we have to look back at how He, the Lord, designed man and woman to walk together in one accord. So please turn with me to Genesis chapter 2. I'm going to look at verses 20 and 21. Just give me an amen when you get there. Amen. It says, The man, that's Adam, gave names to all the cattle and to the birds of the sky and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper suitable for him. So the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and he slept. Then he, that's the Lord, took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh at that place. So when we look at the scripture, we have to acknowledge that man and woman were together in one form. Woman being fashioned from the man, that is Adam's, side. The rib. Not his head. Not his foot. In other words, not a place of dishonor and not a place of rulership. Or lordship over him. They were comparable. Comparable. Because she was his helpmate. So there was intellect. There was the, the moral capability because of the Lord and what He instilled in her, as well as the physical ability also given by the Lord prior to Adam meeting woman. This was already instilled in them. This has to be the case because how, if she wasn't those things, if Adam had to teach her, how is it possible that she would be his helpmate. She wouldn't. As impossibility. Someone that you have to teach everything because they are unable or unaware of what to do when it is required is a hindrance, not a help. But she, and the Lord said, was his helpmate. And in Genesis 2.25 it says, And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Both naked and not ashamed. But as we look at that, after sin entered, in Genesis 3.12, they were ashamed. And they hid from the Lord. And then when the Lord sought them out, sought out Adam, and asked him where he was, he acknowledged that he hid. And the Lord asked, Who told you you were naked? And then in one breath, is verse 12, Adam Blamed both God and woman. Said the woman you gave me, she asked me to eat, and I ate. And sin turned the complete freeness, which is expressed here in openness and in nakedness, the oneness with the Lord that they walked together with in the cool of the day, the complete freeness and fellowship which is also designed to be between a husband and wife, went from shame into blame. Now, prior to getting married, 
The Lord shared with my wife a few things about his design and his plan for the wife, for the woman. And it was this, which was also in her vows. And I'm sure Pastor and, and some of the other people here remember. And it was that she won't make it hard for me. Or don't, and what the Lord said was this don't make it hard for your husband to follow me, which she also put into our vows. Hmm. Don't make it difficult. And, and again, she put those in our vows. Why? Because we, as we see through Adam, or man and woman, because she was woman, she was known as woman before sin, and then Adam renamed her Eve. We are joint heirs, co-laborers, and our jobs as such are to help each other follow God. It is cooperation, not competition. So men, as men, we are and should love our wives and our families with this in mind. And Christ is our example. Christ's disciple, or discipled his disciples, to depend on and rely on the Heavenly Father through their own relationship with Christ. As that being the example, we too are supposed to be that same kind of example in our homes, working together as co-laborers in the vineyard. Now, so the Holy Spirit has been desiring to create healthy families here, in this place, within St. Paul's for a while now. The question is simply this. Will you let him? Will you agree with him on how things need to be done? It can't be our own way, our own thoughts, feelings, emotions, and plans and processes that we put in place. It has to be done his way. Will you let him show you the way? And then the other aspect of that is, will you be obedient to his leading? That's good. The husband, the father, in this case, has a greater role and responsibility in the wife. Not, and we just talked about the unity and the cooperation. It is a greater role. It's not a competition. But much like an older sibling in a family, everyone gets the same amount of love. It is equal across the board. But as the Lord designed it, we, men, have a unique role. Now, that being said, we have to understand our role. But we also have to understand the woman's role. And every other member of our household's role so that we can lead. How will we be able to instruct them if we are unaware of what they are supposed to do? Alright. So now these are just but a few examples so that we can gain insight and understanding of His will and His covenant. His plans and His purpose. And the reason being is that so we can align with what He is doing. Because it's easier to come into alignment with something when we understand the bigger picture of what the Lord is doing. Yeah. Not, not just the, the what we're doing, all of the house, but also the why we're doing it. 
and the how. The what, the how, and the why. Right? It, it makes things so much easier. So, Paul addresses this. And he talks about... So he talks about Adam and what he stated. And says, this is the mystery of the church. And we find that in Genesis 2, 23 and 24. So if we could all turn there real quick. And this is Adam's statement after the Lord has introduced him to woman. And the man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. And 24, For this reason a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and not ashamed. I want to ask you this question. What woman, what mother did Adam have? simple answer. He didn't have one. The Lord fashioned him out of the dust of the earth. Didn't have one. As Paul is talking about this is the mystery of the church. As we look at what Adam is saying, this is a prophetic statement about what the Lord's will and His plan is. In other words, what He is doing. It's not about, or, or even in the Garden of Eden, the prophetic statement is what he is doing in establishing a heavenly community. The statement is similar to what Job says. Job 1.21. And he says, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return there. Okay, well that's also an interesting statement. But it's similar in the fact that he's acknowledging what the Lord was doing and given everything that we've just discussed, the will of the Lord is simply this. He will be our God. We will be His people. He is establishing the heavenly community. Our role then, as men, as fathers, is to help facilitate that. Working in conjunction, in cooperation with our wives to help each other enter the heavenly community. Which is what he's trying to do. Job had the same... The same thing. His wife told him in Job 2.10 to curse God and die. He said to her, he admonished her and said, You speak as one of the fool, as one of the foolish woman speaks. Shall we indeed accept good from God and not accept adversity? But in all this, Job did not sin with his lips. There is a difference between him and Adam. Job did not blame God, but he admonished, encouraged Try to love his wife back into her right relationship with the Lord. Walking in unity for the bigger plan of what God is doing. It wasn't about just submitting to, to Adam or submitting to Job. It was about looking at what the Lord is doing and coming into alignment with that. Just establishing the heavenly community. And to state it plainly, our households are to be an example of what the kingdom of heaven will look like when Christ returns for His bride, which is the heavenly community. They shall reflect our, each member's personal and intimate relationship with our Heavenly Father, His Son Jesus Christ, and His Holy Spirit. Through love, humility, and obedience, through submission to His Lordship in our lives, where He is our God, 
and we are His people. Understanding what the will of the Lord is is vital, not just to our life, but to have a healthy church family and a glorious church. And we can better comprehend this role, our plan, sorry, His plan in this case, a Father's role, when we know the goal or the desired end state or the objective. But we also have to look at how to accomplish that. Please turn me to 1 John 2, we'll begin in verse 12. The Apostle John here is discussing four states of maturity. And it causes us to take an honest look at where we, at where we as men are in our life and in our spiritual walk. He says, I am writing to you, little children. Because your sins have been forgiven you for his name's sake. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who has been from the beginning. And I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I am writing to you, children, because you know the Father. And I have written to you, fathers, because you know him who has been from the beginning. I have written to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. As we look at this, when an infant is born, it contains everything it needs to be an adult. The Lord has already placed everything that that child needs to be, or or that a child will need to be a functioning adult within the child already, just like with woman in the garden. However, in this case, the child must be raised. It must be taught. It must be trained. It must be, be equipped. It must be encouraged. And it also must be held accountable in the proper way, instructed, if you will, in the proper way to be a fully functioning adult, able to positively contribute to society. Which is why, immediately after mentioning little children, representing both an infant child in a natural sense, but also representing a new Christian or a new believer in Christ. He mentions fathers. And before going down the list, the adolescents and then two children. He says this because the father, a father, is the only one that can truly raise the child. And to clarify, I'm in no way, shape, or form referring to a male that's capable of producing a child And when that process has gone through its proper time, results in birth, legally making the individual a father. But no, a father is someone who can bring up the child in what is true and honorable and of good repute and right. They aren't swayed or caught off guard by the latest trend, but they have wisdom, knowledge, and understanding to guard and govern, just like what Adam's role was in the garden. Mm -hmm. Also being guided by the Holy Spirit. They speak from first-hand observation and experience, not just regurgitating a thought or idea that they heard from someone, somewhere, at some point in time that sounded good. And as a result, they are able to speak against speculation, good ideas, or ideologies from wherever they arise from, which are of no use or importance, but only serve as a detriment 
to the life of the child. Fathers provide guidance on long view or long-term perspectives, not just what's convenient in the moment, even if that means facing some consequences. But their goal is always to prepare the child or children to become fully matured. Fully matured as a parent, which can operate in the exact same manner that we just described. The exact same manner that a father should be operating in. And they do this, fathers do this, by living out their life as an example. Not just lip service. It is doing in deed and truth. Now a young man, while he may be capable, or adolescent, while he may be capable of producing a child, is unable to do what a father can do. Think back to your own adolescence. Did you receive any good advice from your peers? I think we can all say that in the extremely rare case that that happened, they were regurgitating someone, really a a father or a parent. Mm -hmm. The information that that person provided. Now someone in their adolescence, while they've come into a greater ability to comprehend or to understand the deeper aspects of what's been poured into them, and yes, they have some abilities and can watch younger siblings in a limited capacity for short durations of time. They're still figuring out life. They're able to accomplish some tasks, some tasks at a higher level. However, they are still striving to reach the level of maturity that a father has. And a child is absolutely unable to raise an infant or another child. In fact, if this were to even be a case, we would all have to acknowledge that a crime has been committed. Because at this point in life, the child is beginning to move beyond extremely simple directions, such as when you have to tell them no, and comprehend instruction on how they should live. But it's basic things. Coming into their favorite question, why? Which they say constantly. But at each stage in life, and yes, this also sometimes includes fatherhood, a father and father figure is absolutely necessary to equip, to exhort, to admonish, and to encourage members of the household, their own, as well as the body of Christ, to press on in doing the Lord's will or carrying out His plan as they have observed the father figure doing. And this is exactly what Paul is stating in Philippians 4, 8 and 9. It says, finally, brother, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. The things you have learned and received and seen in me. Practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Now, yes, there are some that may say something effective. Well, 
Brother John, you don't know what I've been through. My father was absent for most of my life. He didn't show me love. He didn't care. Really, he just didn't show me love. Never mind how to be a man. How to be, never mind a, a father or a husband. How to treat my family. And yet, while that's sad, it absolutely is a tragedy. We must stop blaming and show them, yes, the Father, absentee Father, forgive, stop blaming them, show them the love of Christ, forgive them, forgive the wrong they've done against us, and be the example for our family. Not blaming our wife or our helpmate for what they are or aren't doing to support us. Bring it to the Lord, to your Heavenly Father. Because that's also how we guard and govern our house, Mm. our home. Stop using the past, the current situation even, as an excuse for not moving forward in the Lord's will. Not walking in the manner that Christ walked, which is the perfect will of the Lord. He said only what the Father said, and He did only what the Father did. Nothing of His own initiative, but only... As the Father commands. Which if you look at John 16, 13, is exactly, exactly how the Holy Spirit operates. Only says what the Father says. And then tells us what the Father says. Teaches us. This is discipleship. This is how we fulfill the Great Commission. As we see in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. It's not so much about the going out. Discipleship starts where we're at. Within our own household. The places we live, we work, we play. But most importantly, in our own household and with our own children. In partnership with our wife, our spouse. Working together. And the discipleship is in no way, shape, or form to disciple them to us. It's not about, well, I'm, I'm the dad, I'm the father, I'm the husband. It's whatever I say, and that's it. No, 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 no. Discipleship is only to Jesus. So disciple your children to Jesus only. Because He's the way, the truth, and the life. And no one goes to the Father but through Him. So when we examine our day-to-day, what does the... What? Does a father's role look like? How does it play out, if you will, outside of the four walls of this church building? And the short answer is this. It looks like Jesus. Now I know you're probably sitting there thinking, well, brother, I've read the Bible, and nowhere in there does it say that Jesus had any biological children. And that's true. It doesn't say that. However, let's look at his life his time on earth, and his ministry. Jesus called 
fully grown men to be his followers and disciples. And he taught them, he trained them, he equipped them, and even more important, he showed them what a personal and intimate relationship with the Lord looks like. Mm -hmm. Throughout Jesus and the disciples' time together on earth, he did this in everything he did. The opportunity to pour into their spiritual as well as natural growth and development was never wasted. Just like the scripture. And you will teach them as you lay down and as you get up and as you go about your day. This is how Christ poured into them. As the disciples matured, the Lord sent them out where they demonstrated the ability to carry out the teaching, the instruction, and everything else that was poured into them. This wasn't a one and done thing. This happened continuously. And even after returning, they continued to observe Jesus and his relationship with the Father. While also receiving deeper teaching, training, and further equipping. Because they hadn't mastered it yet. They were still going through the, the various stages of life. Like the Apostle John was talking about. And he was one of the disciples that went through this. Until all of a sudden, one day, the role changed. Yeah, they were still followers of Christ. Only now, they were called apostles. And they were given the role and responsibility in teaching, training, and equipping others in the same way that Jesus showed them. By walking as Jesus walked in a personal and intimate relationship with the Lord and in the Father's perfect will. 1 John 2, 3-6 says this, By this we know that we have come to know Him if we keep His commandments. The one who says, I have come to know Him and does not keep His commandments is a liar. Mm-hmm. And the truth is not in him. Mm-hmm. But whoever keeps his word, in him, the love of God has truly been perfected. By this, we know that we are in him. The one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. If we are truly fulfilling our role as a father, then we will be making disciples. We will be raising up people that know how to walk in the same manner that Jesus walked. The perfect will of the Lord, doing the perfect will of the Lord forever. Being conformed to his image, not wavering to the right or to the left, but remaining in his perfect will, holding fast our, but their assurance until the end. And they will be able to teach others to do the same. Fulfilling the will of the Lord for our lives is vital for our Christian Christian walk. There are a few things I want you to think about as I close. First is that your family should look like what God wants it to look like. And it should represent Him. Mm -hmm. 
Now this can't begin to happen without your own personal and intimate relationship with the Lord. We must come into alignment with Him and His will. Not our own. Second, as you pray for your wives and your children, those that are already believers, pray His will for them. Not your own will. How do we find that out? Ask the Lord what He sees for your children and your wife. Pray that for them. That is the prayer offered in faith. It's simply stating what the Lord, through His Holy Spirit, has given you and told you to say, Mm -hmm. just like Christ. Saying the things the Father says and doing the things the Father does. And lastly, watch your confession about your wife and your children. You cannot present them spotless or blameless if you are only telling them how messed up they are, what they're lacking, and what they're not doing right. We are to bless them with the fruit of our lips. Confess God's favor over their lives and encourage them. We can't expect them to do it if we're not doing it. But when we are walking as Jesus walked, with complete and total submission to the Heavenly Father's will, He being our God and we being His people, we will have healthy families and a glorious church. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to A Day of Prayer. We trust the Lord that you are strengthened and encouraged in your relationship with Christ. If you have any questions, comments, a prayer request, or a praise report, please email us at adayofprayer at yahoo.com. You can also find A Day of Prayer on our website, adayofprayer.org, or Podbean at adayofprayer.podbean.com, where you can listen and download the latest teachings. And we're also on Facebook, A Day of Prayer 2018, where you'll find updates, information about upcoming events and seminars, and the latest topics of prayer that the Lord is speaking to us. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So until next time, take care and God bless you.